What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the future of NASCAR. But I actually think the most logical place to start is with Formula One. I want to set the stage a little bit for you guys. Now, it's no secret that Formula One is one of the fastest growing sports in the United States over the last few years. It started with Netflix's F1 Drive to Survive series during COVID. I watched it. You probably watched it. It seems like all of our friends watched it as well. And the sport took off. The United States then added their second Grand Prix in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium. And I've talked to people around that race, and they say that they have made hundreds of millions of dollars from that race. It then proceeded to continue with ESPN offering $75 million annually for the media rights to Formula One in the United States. This was a huge increase. I mean, Formula One literally gave the media rights away to ESPN for free just a few years ago, and now they were willing to pay $75 million per year because the audience had grown so much. And it's not slowing down anytime soon. I mean, Austin, Texas broke the record for Formula One race last year. Hundreds of thousands of people attended that race. And Liberty Media, the owners of Formula One, just invested over $500 million to put on the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix. Now, that race had some mistakes, of course, but it's going to continue for the next decade. And many people see it as the blueprint for future races that Liberty Media runs in the United States. But I tell you all of this for one specific reason. I don't necessarily even want to talk about Formula One. I tell you because just as much as Formula One is growing, it's important to remember that NASCAR is still by far the most popular motorsport in the United States. To give you a little bit of context, the average Formula One race last year in the United States had 1.1 million viewers, whereas NASCAR averaged 2.86 million viewers. That's an increase of 157%, the difference between Formula One and NASCAR in the United States. And for as much as Formula One is growing, NASCAR isn't slowing down either. They recently announced new media rights deals worth $7.7 billion over seven years. That's $1.1 billion annually. Now, you may be asking, how is NASCAR able to do this when someone like Formula One is getting significantly less? And the reason is obviously they have a little bit bigger of an audience, but they went out and they signed deals with a number of different broadcast partners. For example, NASCAR's new media rights deals have agreements with four different broadcasters, including Fox, NBC, Warner Brothers Discovery, and Amazon. These four companies will split 38 races starting in the 2025 season. The majority of those races will be broadcast on Fox and NBC. And then Warner Brothers, which is TNT Sports, and Amazon will broadcast the rest. Amazon and TNT will also have exclusive broadcasting rights to every practice session and every qualifying session throughout the year. And Amazon's agreement also includes documentary rights to NASCAR's entry into the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Now, again, to give you a little bit of context on just how much NASCAR has grown from a media rights perspective, the sport was averaging $400 million in media rights per year at the beginning of 2001 to 2006. We're now at $1.1 billion per year, starting in 2025 and going throughout the late 2020s and early 2030s. Now, NASCAR doesn't release its financials. I mean, Formula One is owned by Liberty Media. It's a publicly traded company, so we get a good peek inside the hood of what the sport is actually making from promoter fees and sponsorships and everything else like that. NASCAR, that's not publicly available, but the one thing that we do know is they make a lot of money on sponsorships as well. It's said that NASCAR makes over $400 million annually in sponsorship. We're talking about Xfinity paying $35 million annually for their sponsorship deal. Companies like Snoco paying $26 million annually. Goodyear reportedly pays $25 million annually as well. And then we have Coca-Cola, Bush Light, and Geico, all of those companies paying $15 million each. But they're working with over 50 different counterparties. We're now approaching actually 100 different counterparties, and they're making a lot of money from sponsorships outside of broadcasting rights. The sport also has over 14 million followers across social media, 
And they even held their first ever street race in downtown Chicago last year. That race was a huge hit. I mean, it rained during the race, but I watched it and many other people did as well. In fact, 4.6 million people watched that race, which was NBC's most viewed NASCAR race in six years. Now, all of this sounds great. NASCAR is growing. They have this new media rights package. Sponsorship revenue is gigantic and everything seems to be going well. But there are a few concerns that people should be worried about. The NASCAR Cup Series averaged 2.86 million viewers last year across NBC, Fox, FS1, and USA Network. That's more viewers than the 2023 NHL Stanley Cup Finals average at 2.6 million viewers. So literally the average race for NASCAR is more popular than the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. That makes it one of America's most popular sports, right? Well, yes, but it's also a 5% drop from 2022's average of 3 million viewers per race. And it made the 2023 season the least watched NASCAR season on record. So viewership is declining and it's been lower than it has been in a number of years. Furthermore, subscription fatigue is a real thing. I think this is something that NASCAR needs to be worried about. By spreading their races across four different broadcast partners and five different platforms, technically, it's only going to make it harder for new fans to engage with their sport. Now, this is sort of the reverse problem that MLS has. When MLS signed with Apple, it's easy to go find all of their content. If you're a fan of MLS, you're going to go to one subscription hub, you're going to go log in, and you're going to be able to see everything you want. All of the matches, you're going to be able to see interviews, you're going to be able to see behind-the-scenes footage, and everything else. That's great if you're a fan of the sport. But NASCAR has essentially the opposite problem. Not only is it hard to get new fans into the sport because it's spread across so many different platforms, but also current fans of the sport, it's incredibly hard for them to go watch every single race. You may have to go buy Amazon. You may have to go buy Peacock. You may have to go get cable or YouTube TV or something else like that. The ability for current fans to watch the races that they want to watch is going to be incredibly more challenging than it was before. And this is important because NASCAR essentially made the decision. They said that we're going to maximize revenue to the fullest extent that we can. We're not going to partner with one media rights organization. We're not going to partner with two. We're going to partner with four different organizations, including streaming partners that are going to pass these costs onto the consumer, right? You, I, and other motorsports fans are going to have to go pay these subscription companies who are ultimately paying NASCAR for the right to watch these races. Of course, that's what happens with cable. But the difference is that most people go and do these league deals with two or maybe three different partners. NASCAR has chosen to maximize revenue to an extent that it's now hurting the consumer. That's obviously a problem for the future of the sport. And NASCAR is also facing a superstar problem. Look at the most popular drivers of the last generation. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has 6.4 million followers on social media. Jimmy Johnson has over 4 million followers on social media. And even Kevin Harvick, who just recently retired, has over 2 million followers on social media. That's significantly bigger audiences than virtually anyone else in the sport today. I mean, Chase Elliott appears to be the most popular driver. He has less than 2 million followers on social media. And Ryan Blaney, who won it all this year, has less than a million. He has 737,000 followers on social media. And these drivers are not nearly as popular as they were previously, and they're certainly not superstars like the generation of the past. Now, this is important because it speaks to the regionalization of NASCAR. If you look at like a sport like Formula One, which is obviously global, their drivers are significantly more popular because of the global aspect of the sport. They're reaching more fans. It's why Lewis Hamilton has 36 million followers on social media. It's why Charles Leclerc has 13 million followers on social media. It's why Max Verstappen has 11 million followers on social media. It's because they're reaching global audiences. And this is also one of the reasons why leagues like the NFL and NBA are growing, while other leagues like Major League Baseball, the NHL, and even to some extent NASCAR are shrinking. The reason why this is happening is because younger fans want to follow players and individuals, not the teams and not the leagues. This is also why virtually every major sports social media account on social media today 
We're talking about the ESPNs of the world, the sports centers, the House of Highlights, and everyone else. It's why they focus on the individuals. Again, not the teams and not the leagues. A great example of this is it doesn't matter if LeBron James is dunking on someone or a game or if he's walking into a restaurant. The focus is him, not the Lakers and not the NBA. Now, look, NASCAR is doing a few different things to combat this. There's a rumor that they're going to be holding a race outside of North America, whether it's in 2025 or 2026 or 2027. In the near future, they want to do that. And they're also innovating on the track side. They just had their first ever race in downtown Chicago on the street. And like I mentioned before, it was incredibly popular. But more needs to be done. The decline of cable television in the United States over the past decade has been absolutely brutal. I mean, we've gone from 100 million pay TV households in the U.S. to roughly 70 million today. This is something that has put the revenue and, quite frankly, distribution growth of every major sports league in the country on notice. This is, again, something that every commissioner of every sports league is talking about nonstop. And if NASCAR wants to maintain its position as the preeminent motorsport in the United States, they need to keep innovating. Like I mentioned before, they need to focus on the individuals and not so much the teams in the league. They need to build these superstars up from within so the sport continue to grow and prosper. They also need to focus on the events themselves. People need to have a good time when they come to the races. Tickets need to be cheap enough to where families can afford them. And most importantly, I'm interested to see how the distribution side of things goes with their new media rights partnership. Spreading people across four to five different platforms is unlike anything we've ever seen before. And I'm interested to see what impact, if at all, this has on their viewership numbers over the coming years. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and learned something new about NASCAR. If you did, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast feed and the YouTube channel. Otherwise, have a great day and we'll talk later this week.